Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sunup. The Daily Sunup podcast is a conversation with the Colorado Sun. See our trust indicators at coloradosun.com slash ethics. It's Tuesday, January 30th. Today, Sun water writer Shannon Mullane discusses the failing infrastructure issues for the irrigation systems in southwestern Colorado that in part serve the Southern Ute Reservation. Before we begin, the Colorado Sun invites you to meet the politics team at an unaffiliated networking event held at the Denver Press Club. The event is sponsored by Aponte and Busam Public Affairs Consultants. There will be a cash bar, it's free to join, and you'll have time to chat with staff and readers. Join us on February 29th and RSVP today by visiting coloradosun.com slash events. Now let's go back in time with some Colorado history. Today, we're focusing on the National Silver Convention of 1885, a key moment in U.S. monetary history. After the Coinage Act of 1873 eliminated silver from federal currency, the West, rich in silver, pushed back. The Bland-Allison Act of 1878 temporarily revived silver's use in smaller coins, despite the U.S. moving towards a gold standard in 1879. The 1885 convention, attended by over 1,500 delegates, led to the formation of the National Bimetallic Association, advocating for silver in currency. Their efforts resulted in the Sherman Silver Purchase Act of 1890, but the victory was short-lived as the act was repealed during the Panic of 1893. Before we continue, a special thank you to all our Colorado Sun members listening. It's thanks to you that The Sun continues to bring trustworthy, independent journalism to readers and listeners across our state. If you're not yet a member and want to join us, visit coloradosun.com join to sign up. While you're there, check out our member e-newsletters like Colorado Sunday, The Temperature, and more. Together, we'll keep Colorado informed in 2024. Next, our feature story. Happy Tuesday, everyone. I'm David Krause, one of the team editors here at The Sun. And today I'm joined by Sun Water reporter Shannon Mullane. Hey there, Shannon. How's your day? It's going great, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Hey, I uh, thought we'd have you on The Sun Up today to talk about a story. Shannon covers water issues in the West, including the Colorado River Basin for The Sun. And you had a story recently about some failing water systems in southwestern Colorado and specifically along the Southern Ute Reservation. Shannon, can you kind of give us an overview of what's happening down there? Yes, absolutely. So um, I recently reported on a water delivery system called the Pine River Indian Irrigation Project. It's um, owned and operated by the federal government. And this system is um, used by 400 or so ranchers, irrigators who rely on it. But the problem is that it also is experiencing a decades-long backup in maintenance issues. It's got a lot of issues that, uh, and problems that need to be repaired, so much so that it would probably cost about $35 million to actually fully re- fully repair this backlog of maintenance problems. A lot of times, Shannon, our readers and supporters want to know, you know, how do we find these topics? How do we decide to write about these stories? How did you come across this story idea? Oh, yeah, definitely. In the latter part of 2023, I was tracking the progress of this task force called the Colorado 
River Drought Task Force. It was set up by the state legislature, and uh, it's a group of water officials who were tasked with the responsibility of coming up with water issues um, to recommend to the legislature to address, right? And so they were doing a tour of this water delivery system hosted by the Southern Ute Indian Tribe in October. And I joined for the tour and I was able to walk through the system with all of the water officials and see some of these infrastructure issues up close. You you mentioned $35 million in uh, potential repairs. Can you kind of paint a picture of what some of those maintenance issues look like and how they might be able to resolve them? Yeah, definitely. So I think first with uh, water infrastructure, it's one of those things that that's not necessarily the first thing people start talking about when they're talking about water issues. Oftentimes we're talking about drought or supply or water quality, but this these infrastructure systems are the way that water gets from A to B. And so this system comes down from a reservoir in Southwest Colorado called Biocito Reservoir. And it flows through a river. And at a certain point, the water starts to get diverted into the system. It's about 175 miles of earthen ditches. There's concrete structures. Some of the infrastructure like goes above ground and is held up by concrete supports. And um, it spans about, or it provides water to about 12,000 acres. And so when I was touring the system and later when I was reporting, people were sharing some of their stories of the issues that they've faced. And I was able to see some of these up close. So, for example, there's a big, long steel kind of tube that goes over uh, a farmland in one part, and it carries water on the main ditch of this project. And it is the steel is too heavy, and so the concrete supports are bearing too much weight. They're also cracking. In some places, the concrete might be coming off a little bit, and there's holes, literally holes, water streaming down into uh, the ground below and it's enough that enough water seepage that there's a bed of cattails growing beneath this piece of the infrastructure right and so that's one thing or there might be plant life that's growing into these earthen ditches that's kind of changing how the water's flowing or erosion there were some breaches at different points in time where on this main ditch water that was supposed to be reaching ranchers was actually breaching through the walls of this ditch and and flowing toward the closest river. And so you can imagine when your business depends on this water, when you need it for growing alfalfa for your cattle, when the water doesn't come on time, when you expect it or in the amount that you expect, that can be pretty stressful for these ranchers and farmers down in Southwest Colorado. Shannon, uh, maybe a small two-parter here. Do we know how much water is getting lost with these um, maintenance issues? And really, the bigger question is, how did it come to this after all these years? Right. So in my reporting, I didn't um, have a, a total amount of water lost in this in the system. But I do know that there have been times when, uh, for example, with these breaches, the water has been cut off to water users once during the summer for about a month of the growing season. And um, I will say also with just aging infrastructure in general in Colorado, the amount of water loss can be large and the financial cost of repairing these systems can also be high. And so it's an it's an issue statewide. 
as for how we got here, well, that's a pretty complicated set of circumstances. Obviously, the system's pretty old, you know, it's it was parts of it date back to the 1920s or earlier. And so we're talking about a project that's a century old. And over the decades, there's been funding challenges. They, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, the um, federal agency that's in charge of the system, hasn't always been able to keep up with the costs. And so, you know, they've pushed these maintenance projects to the next year. And that's how we've gotten, as part of the reason that we've gotten this, this large backlog. Just to add a little bit more context, the Bureau does have 16 of these systems in the Western United States. All of them are facing similar maintenance issues. And to fully resolve those backlogs, it would cost $2.3 billion. And so you can imagine when you're trying to take care of the annual costs of just keeping the system running and also address big millions of dollars, billions of dollars of backlog, that's, that's quite a challenge. So there's funding. That's definitely an issue. A lot of the funds for this individual project in Southwest Colorado come from these operations and maintenance fees that are collected from the farmers and ranchers. The Bureau of Indian Affairs is responsible for setting that fee amount, and it has been increasing it. But the thing is, for these these irrigators, the cost is already high. They have tight profit margins sometimes, and so that can be a challenge. And I think a final contributing factor that I ran into while I was reporting actually has to do with just the division of responsibilities. The federal government says that it does have responsibilities under federal law to um, take care of parts of these projects. For example, one of the responsibilities that the Bureau talked to me about was collecting these operations and maintenance fees. There's a another uh, disagreement over responsibility that ties into a certain kind of type of responsibility that the federal government has to tribes across the nation. It's called a trust obligation. This type of obligation goes back, in some cases, to treaties. And it's very complex. It's very fundamental to the relationship between the federal government and tribes. And in this circumstance, the Southern U Indian tribe is saying that the federal government, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, does have a trust obligation to maintain these systems. And the Bureau of Indian Affairs is saying that it does not. So there's also just some fundamental disagreements happening that could be a contributing factor for for this growing backlog of maintenance needs. So Shannon, we always like to kind of spin it forward um, on the sun up. You kind of mentioned it, millions of dollars to fix some things in Colorado, billions of dollars to fix some uh, maintenance issues across the West. You think there'll ever be a time that these uh, systems will ever be 100%? We won't see any water loss? I think that that's something to watch out for. There's a um, well-acknowledged need. Every person that I talked to acknowledged the need, including the federal government, to repair these systems. It's, It's on their radar. It has been for decades. So I think that full to fully repair the backlog to fully modernize the systems up to modern efficiency standards. That's quite a task. I think that one of the central questions for whether and how that gets done is what happens with funding. You know, there's tons of federal dollars floating around right now, for example, from the bipartisan infrastructure law. But package did give 
$466 million to the Bureau of Indian Affairs, but only $7 million per year for five years of that, so $35 million total, is going to go to all 16 of these Indian irrigation projects. So whether or not there's new funding sources, I think, will s- still need to be seen. Um, and I will say that the congressional timeline for deciding the 2025 funding is coming up. And so we will definitely be paying attention to that. Shannon, uh, appreciate it uh, when you get on the podcast and kind of give people some of the background and, and backstory to some of these stories. So uh, thanks for the time today. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Sun Up. If you want to read this story or more water and environment news around Colorado, I encourage you to go to our homepage, coloradosun.com and click on the environment tab there at the top. This story is also part of our collaboration between the Colorado Sun and Water Education Colorado. And finally, a reminder to our listeners that here at the Colorado Sun, we care about accuracy, inclusion, and transparency. And the Sun is part of the Trust Project, which you can read uh, about that at coloradosun.com slash ethics. Shannon, thanks again for joining me and have a great day. Thanks so much, Dave. I'll talk to you later. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. A 22-year-old woman died Saturday morning at Aspen Highlands Ski Area after skiing into a tree. The Aspen Skiing Company said the woman was on an intermediate trail known as the Exhibition Run when she was injured at 11.26 a.m. Her name and hometown have not yet been released. Her death was at least the third involving a skier this season at a Colorado ski resort. A 69-year-old Vail ski instructor died after he was found unresponsive on the ski hill in December. A 47-year-old Colorado Springs snowboarder died January 2nd after hitting a tree at Breckenridge Ski Area. The National Science Foundation awarded $15 million to a Colorado-Wyoming partnership to build a climate solutions and energy solution innovation hub focused on the fight against greenhouse gases. The foundation has said U.S. hubs making progress towards high-impact solutions could get up to $160 million total over 10 years. Colorado officials say the inaugural Regional Innovation Engines will screen and channel grants to startups developing carbon capture, clean energy, and methane reduction solutions. Colorado could become the third state to allow out-of-state residents to receive medical aid in dying through a bill that would also shorten the mandatory waiting period for people seeking to end their lives. Senate Bill 68 would require people to wait at least 48 hours before getting access to aid in dying medication, down from 15 days. The measure would also let advanced practice registered nurses prescribe the medication rather than just doctors. The bill comes eight years after Colorado voters overwhelmingly approved Proposition 106, which legalized aid in dying for terminally ill adults. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now, a quick message from our team. This is Christina Pritchett, Marketing and Events Specialist at the Colorado Sun. In my role, I get to witness the Sun's impact on our state firsthand. I always leave our events feeling inspired by those who attend and share the impact that the Sun has in their daily lives. If you're a follower of the Sun, please reach out and tell us what you think of our reporting and let us know how it makes a difference in your life. The Sun is member-supported, so if you're not yet a member, please consider joining us today at coloradosun.com join.